Last week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with my good friend, Ryan Moy. Ryan is currently the head groundskeeper for Minnesota United. Before that, he spent 13 years at Hazeltine, the last six of which were as lead assistant superintendent. Ryan and I have known each other for a long time. We've traveled together. We've worked together. We've done many events together. And last week, our conversation centered around all of those various things. We had a great time discussing trips that we've taken, time that we've spent, and working the Ryder Cup together. We talked about what it was like for him to get his job at Allianz Field, and we talked about the differences between sports turf and golf and whether he would ever go back. It was a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. When did you, I forgot what year you were hired. 2013. 2013. So the hiring process was end of 2012, and then I was I started January 1 of 2013. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, actually, well, let me ask this question first. I know that we knew each other before I was working at Hazeltine, but I can't remember how we met. Do you? I was trying to remember that. I usually have a good memory about these things, but I couldn't I, for sure. To say this is the memory, I'm not certain about that, but my, I, I ha- we were at a show. I feel like it might have been in Orlando, but I'm you. I know you were up in Duluth mm-hmm. at Northland. Uh, you you had a a a coat. Do you have a coat that has elbow pads on it, or did you used to? I, Maybe I'm making that I up. I did at one time. Okay, yeah. I, I remember. I, think I still do, but it was probably you, a different coat. Okay, I saw you on the trade floor, and if it wasn't, but I I, I just ran into you on the trade floor. We exchanged pleasantries, um, and. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but it, it, it was definitely, you know, you were someone that I, you know, respected and wanted to uh, for sure get to know a little bit more. And then, you know, life uh, brought you over to Hazeltine and the rest is history from there. Yeah, so that that probably is the moment, I would guess, um, because that was, I had that in my mind, but I couldn't remember if that was the first time we met. But I do remember that, that you were, I actually think I was talking to my predecessor, Jim Nickel, on the floor, and maybe you came up because you were saw him or you were with him you came up and we started talking and then I think I seem to remember we kind of wandered off and we walked around the floor for a little bit and um, yeah since we both sort of remember that I think that that's probably it I can't remember the year it was I know you knew Jake Ryan who was my assistant at Northland now the superintendent there and you knew Jake from school yeah and so that connection like he, I knew who you were, and you knew who I was, I think. So then that's probably the first time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I used to sleep on Jake's apartment floor in between classes on St. Paul campus there. Um, was that, going back to the maybe the Orlando conference, was that the era where you were bringing, uh, like, nuts and uh, something of that nature uh, so that you, you wouldn't have to go out um, and waste time uh, finding a place to eat or <laughs> it very well could have been I remember there was one particular particular year when I was at Northland where the club didn't the budget didn't support me going to Orlando but there were people I wanted to see um, and and my good friend Jeff Johnson had said hey I'm going out to dinner with these people and I really couldn't I didn't want to miss it mm-hmm. and so I remember him telling me that I could stay with him in, in his room um, he had a like kind of a suite, so there was a pull-out couch. So I stayed at his room, and then I remember I packed my suitcase full of nuts, and I think there were tuna packets <laughs> as well. And I 
so that I wouldn't have to yeah get any spend any extra money on meals so it's it's a great a great story just uh just to highlight you know where where you came from you know i think everybody sort of has something that they can relate to yeah. in in their lives as well um but that one stuck out with me yeah that was that was a fun um that was a fun year and uh jeff and i talk about that particular <laughs> gis often as well so um, you know, one of my other favorite memories, so that's, that's obviously a good one. It, it, it did stick with me and I'm glad to hear that you had a similar feelings about it, um, or memories about it. But one of my other favorite memories was the night I, I came to Hazeltine. I was there, I played the golf course and then I was out after I played golf, um, walking the golf course cause I had my interview the next day. And I remember meeting up with you that night and I just, I wanted to see at, over the years, I have found that you, between, besides myself and my siblings, I have found you to be one of the people who I think can compete with us for their like long-term memory. Like, there aren't many people. Um, one of our fellow coworkers at Hazeltine, Keith Conway, is another one who I know I can. He has a great memory, and I can ask him stuff from a long time ago, and he'll remember. But uh, you have a great memory as well. So I want to ask what you remember about that that time that I was out there that night that I was out there uh, getting ready to interview. Cause we spent some time together that night kind of just talking about things. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot because it, it was so, so vivid. Um, but I'll, you know, try to, um, shorten it up, uh, with respect to efficiency. Um, I, I just, I remember there is no time limit on this podcast, okay. by the way, right. only the limits, the only limit is how long we think people might listen, but if we keep it interesting, I think they'll stay tuned. So go ahead and, <laughs> The, the sort of what what surfaces is, you know, it, it was fall. I mean, it, the weather, it was, it was definitely getting dark. The weather was, you know, pretty cold. Um, I knew, I, you know, I was, I was directed to stay late um, to help facilitate um, potential candidates. And I, I had done this um, several times before your visit. Um, and, you know, the, not that you're soliciting this specific response, but you know there, it was definitely a unique experience because a lot of the other candidates really wanted to just um, pound, pound the pavement, so to speak, sure. and just come and uh, get on the course, look at a bunch of different nuances. Uh, I mean, I think I had one guy who came into the shop and wanted to open up the fi filing cabinets to get out the irrigation plans. Um, and And your visit was was none of that, not to say that uh, you didn't want to get out and see the course and its nuances, um, but uh, knowing you now, you've already checked the box on all of that. Um, and, and we just spent, I, I can't remember how much time, maybe, maybe a half hour, maybe it was an hour, I just don't know, um, just chatting mm -hmm. in, the, um, in the entrance to uh, the turf center there. Um, and that was it. And then you needed to get up to the clubhouse and, um, and, and continue on. But uh, that's what I thought was most memorable uh, for your visit on that particular day. Yeah, I, that's very similar to my memory. I know I played the course and then I was out there walking and I think you came out. We maybe met up while I was on the course and like, okay, I want to finish up what I want to see. And then maybe I got a hold of you later and we met up at the, we walked through the shop and yeah, I do remember it was right outside where my, my office now is standing there talking. And it was kind of like the, 
people joke about the Minnesota goodbye, which is that you stand forever and you say goodbye to somebody and an hour later you're still standing there talking. And I kind of remember it being like that. Like we just kind of, both of us had somewhere else we needed to get, but yet the conversation was going um, so well and was so sort of fruitful that I think we both just kept talking. And I remember in my mind, I mean, I knew I wanted to get the job at that point, but it was just sort of, you know, for all the reasons that one would want to get that job, you know, a great club, Ryder Cup was coming up, but it just solidified for me, like, okay, all of the pieces are really in place with you being the lead assistant at the time, you know, and I thought, okay, here's a guy who in our conversation, like, could clearly probably do this job. And if you had been given the chance to, to do the job or to get the job, I think you would have gotten it. Not, I don't mean to make you feel bad, but, you know, I probably would have never come to Hazeltine and then maybe we wouldn't have worked together and maybe we wouldn't have been friends. But, you know, certainly in that moment, I'm like, okay, this guy can do this job. And so it made me want to really, like, it was another another thing that made me go, okay, I want to get this job and I want to do whatever I can to get it because, you know, this is going to be a great working relationship. I could just tell even in that moment that it yeah. was going to be was going to be wonderful so and I, I had I definitely have similar feelings um, just I think it's worth noting you know I, I was on the side of the fence uh, facing the reality of not knowing where this could go based on whoever whoever was hired um, you know we all know that a lot of times um, individuals come in and have a desire to clean house I knew at that point it had they chosen you um, I, I had a secure position um, so that was, uh, that felt great. <laughs> not, not that you were cheerleading yeah. or anything. Right. Like <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was a, that's a good memory. And, um, you know, I, I was fortunate because I'm from Minnesota and I had worked in this area that I knew you're not just yourself, but many of the other team members at Hazeltine who are really all still there. And I'd had the chance to spend time with you guys. And so I knew what I was getting. I knew, you know, what a group of people, you know, that and the passion that they had for the course. I mean, at the time, multiple people who'd been there for 20 years, you know, now you're looking at 30 years because we're, you know, this will be the start of my 11th year at Hazeltine. And, you know, just people like that who just cared about that place in an incredible way. And I knew that was going to be sort of an inheritance if I got the job, which was, you know, pretty exciting to me. And so... Yeah, that was uh, that was a, a good memory. It was it was fun, and you know, in the end, it, it it worked out. I think well for both of us that it you know I got the job obviously, and then we we got to spend um, six years together, and uh, you know I've remained great friends to this day. So uh, it's a good that that maybe maybe not the first time we met, but it's probably the beginning of the the friendship as it is today. So um, <clears throat> you know, a few other memories I wanted to bring up just to kind of get your feelings about it. We spent a couple different trips to the to the UK, um, going to the, the BTME, the biggest show in Harrogate and flying over and spending extra time there. And one year we went up to St. Andrews and then another year we were in London visiting some some other golf courses. We visited the Tottenham Hotspur practice facility and the stadium, uh, the old stadium as the new stadium was being built and sort of like starting to swallow it up. Um, but just, you know, really fun memories. So, I mean, our, this isn't just a working relationship we had, like we traveled together and, you know, stayed in the ho in hotels together and that kind of stuff. And I think that just solidifies a, a friendship. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, there's a, there's definitely a lot to unpack with that. Uh, just because there are, it, I was saying, mentioning this earlier, uh, before we hit the, the, the record button, but 
there are cer certain things in life that are uh, sentimental, and then you you start to romanticize about them, and you know they hold a a really um, a large spot uh, in your in your memory bank or um, or a place in within you, and it, it it's hard to put words or articulate it. But um, you know, just if you're working backwards, you know the fact that I'm here at this location working for a soccer club. Um, now and having been over there and, and you introducing me to that world of, um, you know, Premier League football. Um, and we went to, we actually went to see, was it a, a Champions League team or? Uh, we went to a match. It was a, uh, I think it was a League One match. Okay. So that would be the third tier in England. And it was, um, it was the Milton Keynes Stadium. Milton Keynes Dons versus uh um, Sheffield United. Yeah. And we were there with, um, with somebody who was a Sheffield United fan and had tickets. And so we got the tickets through them. And, um, so it was, yeah, it was fun. I remember how cold I was because you're packing. I I'd packed in a backpack and obviously I packed a lot of clothes, but the cold of an English winter is, is something different than a Minnesota winter. There's a dampness to it that just like seems to infiltrate the body in a different way. Oh yeah. But, that was remarkable. I, I would say, it, as far as a travel, I mean, we just uh, we do so well traveling together because you have, you know, not to say I'm not a planner, but I'm very, very much um, amicable to the idea of delegating planning, and you are a professional planner and very good at it. <laughs> and so I just kind of got to, um, I don't want to say relax, but I just knew I was in good hands. And I could just, you know, um, hang on. And I knew I was going to have a great experience over there just by, by uh, traveling with you. So that, that, was, that was a fantastic portion of the trip. It's, it's funny you say that because if my wife listens to this, which she may or may not, she probably won't get this far. She'll be mm -hmm. one of those people who give up after, after 10 minutes. But she, she would say, wait a minute, a my husband, a professional planner? Like, who, where is this person? Like, how come... How come I'm missing out on this this individual? <laughs> um, but I I do recall that that was kind of the thing. Like we would we would wake up or even like in a either on a the grand scale of the whole trip or the more granular 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 scale of like each day to day. I remember that that was kind of the thing. I'd be like, okay, this is what we're gonna do, and you're just Ryan's just like, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, you know, I can, I can remember one particular instance where we were on the tube in uh in london and it was um and it was there was some kind of hang up and the the train was was stopped at a station for quite a while and it seemed like we weren't going to go anywhere and i don't think we were in a particular hurry but i just remember sitting there and and ryan's you know we're chatting and he's watching you know just observing what's going on around us and i'm looking at the map the tube map and i'm like you know what let's get off right here and i and he's like, okay, you know, and I go, he's like, where are we going? I said, we're getting on another train and we're going to get there f faster. And, uh, and we did, but you know, that, that kind of highlights the way that we did things. I was kind of like running the plan and Ryan was along for the ride. I mean, here's another example. I'm sure you'll remember this, that the PGA championship in 2015 was at Whistling Straits. And we went as uh, part of a Hazeltine contingent and we were staying at a hotel in Milwaukee, which is about an hour and maybe a little more than an hour drive from the course from Kohler. And so we would wake up um, every morning. We had a car because we wanted to be there with the, the team and maybe uh, 
Yeah, maybe you, you, you recall what I'm going to get at here, right? Yeah, so. go, I mean, uh, f- finish, because okay. you are a better t- storyteller. Well, <laughs> so we would get up at 3 or 3.30 in the morning and hop in the car and drive up to Kohler, and we'd, we'd hit the road, and as soon as we hit the road, Ryan would just rack the seat back and lay it lay it right back and he was out like a light and so i'm just driving through the dark in the, the wisconsin darkness up to from milwaukee up to kohler um and then we'd get there and you know the car would stop and ryan would wake up and like all right we're here and that was it and every morning we'd do it and in fact i, I rem- recall kind of the last morning you know you just kind of looked at me smiled and you know dropped that seat back and that was it it was over but then you know as if that wasn't good enough for him to sleep all the way up there um, do you remember the sleeping the sleeping trailer incident incident? Uh, I, I absolutely do. I because I, I absolutely re- do remember how good it felt to actually uh, sleep uh, and get into REM sleep mode at a golf tournament, which is rarely done, by the way. It is rarely done. Yes. Um, but why don't you're you're on a roll? Okay, so you want me to tell? Yeah. So. So we were obviously exploring, you know, and looking for ideas for our Ryder Cup next, which was coming up the year after this. And we actually found some really good ideas during mm-hmm. that. Like we, we, we moved from what we thought was going to be a tent into having the volunteer um, central be our, our cold storage, which was a much something they did at Kohler at Whistling Straits. And it was a much better experience. Yeah, zero gravity chairs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, places for people to, to sleep and to hang out. And one of the things they had was they had a trailer set up, which was all blacked out and air conditioned down to, I don't know, 65 degrees. Um, I didn't go in there, but um, it was set up for sleeping. And Ryan said to me, he's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm a little tired. I think I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to check out this sleeping trailer and see how that, is. I said, okay. So, so I wandered out to the golf course, and um, after maybe an hour, hour and a half, I come back to the compound, and I'm looking for Ryan. I don't see him, and I think, well, you know, maybe I, I think I even sent him a text message, no response. Okay, I'll go back to the golf course, and we had we were lucky enough to have PGA hospitality, so I stopped in the hospitality, and maybe he'll be in there. Nope, he's not in there. Okay, I'll go back to the compound. I think I did this about three different times, and I just, like, you were nowhere to be found, not answering your te- your phone, nothing. And so then finally I, I come back after maybe the third, maybe the fourth time back to the compound. And now I'm in a chair just having a dozing a little bit. And I wake up and there's Ryan standing there. And like, where were you? And he said, I was sleeping. I mean, and like, I look at my watch and like, that's like five hours ago you went into that trailer. And uh, he said, yep. And I, he was in there the whole time. And so, yeah, I think you maybe had multiple REM cycles of sleep that day. Yeah, that was, that was remarkable. And we don't have... And- have to spend too much more time but it 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 was it just it was at the right moment at the right time and uh you know once once you shut those eyes you know you're you're you're, you don't have control of the steering wheel at that point and so um especially in that case when you're the only person in that in that um shipping container that is sleeping and it's the perfect temperature perfect humidity level and um yeah I don't know if counting sheep is the right term because I think you do that trying to get to sleep. I don't think you got very far if you were counting sheep. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they did have sheep on the property um, back in the back forty there. Yeah, but yeah, that was it, it, all. These memories are just really fun to go back to, and that's what I think um, is so just so great about um, our relationship and you know the journey that we've been on, both um, you know uh, personally and professionally. 
Yeah, and I think that's what is fun. That, those are the things that are fun to talk about because when we do talk about things that we've done together, it's not just the typical like, oh, remember that day at work um, and what that was like. I mean, a lot of our really like kind of core memories, I think, of our friendship and time together are, are away from, like we've just highlighted, like away from work and just funny things that happened as we were, you know, those were all related to our jobs and we were there because because we work together, but you know, we're, we're out, we're away from the course and we're doing different things. So it's pretty fun. But to, to look back on that, one thing that, that we did have one memory that we would both have is from work actually is, is doing the Ryder cup together in 2016. So, I mean, any, I mean, we could probably do two hours on this alone, but anything in particular stick out or a funny story or a story you remember from that, that you wanted to talk about yeah and and this might seem like an easy way out and i think that i could pick a, a couple different paths you know the the you know the comical relief path um or uh you know more of a strategic path or the planning and i you know i think because we just got done talking about you being a professional planner and being very good at it by the way i think with respect to your comment about your wife asking where is this i i think they call that the chef doesn't like to cook at home so <laughs> Um, just to be clear on that, um, but you are a great. Now I hope she's not listening. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you're the the planning, the 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 amount of uh, uh, mental energy you spent. Um, you know, I always use the the chessboard analogy of moving the chess pieces around the board, um, coming up with different iterations, <clears throat> leading up uh, to actually hosting the tournament. I mean, this this started you know, how many years in advance of, of me just witnessing you planning for this. And, um, you know, even if, if it wasn't me on the side of the, the mic, you know, you could probably pick any, anyone on the team, whether it was a, a Hazeltine crew member or a volunteer, um, that they would agree that it was, it was, <clears throat> it was a well-oiled machine. And I think that stems from the, the planning that, that you did. Yeah, that's that's fun to hear and flattering. Thank you. Um, but I, I think that that was I always tell people like I knew that the team that I inherited when I came to Hazeltine, which I talked about earlier, that they had been thinking about planning for and imagining what this Ryder Cup was going to be like for many years before I ever got there. And the last thing I wanted to do was to step into that and disrupt or make it not as not allow their imagination or their vision of what it was going to be like to to be achieved and have that be because of me so if there was going to be something that happened because of me I wanted that to be that they they had a better experience than they were imagining and so that was a big part of it and you know as you said it was it was a lot of planning and and um you know I I it would be interesting when we do it again should I be lucky enough to be there um what how how it will be different i think the experience will be similar but you know how i handle it you know will other people be more involved in it um it, it's tough to say exactly how that'll work but um you know i i just remember that week and granted the weather was perfect so we weren't having to make like sort of on the spot decisions about what we were going to do we could just kind of come up with a plan and, and stick to the plan and we just executed that the whole week but i what i recall about it is the fact that a lot of us didn't there wasn't a lot of interaction between you and I or even myself and a lot of the other team members. And, and part of that, I think, was that we didn't need to because we knew so well what we were doing and, and what was what was going on and what was going to happen. I mean, I probably talked to the, 
the to our team more on the radio than I did in person that week. Um, but you know, I think that's just kind of the way it goes. But um, what I do remember is that what I'm proud of is that I think everybody I talked to who was a part of that, who was on our team or volunteering, like really remembers details of that week. And I think that can be that can not always, it, it maybe isn't always the case at those events because you're you're working so hard and you're stressed and you're spending so many long hours that you maybe forget some of the details. And of course, as time goes on, those details get, you know, uh, they fade away and the edges get sanded off. But I, I'm proud that everybody kind of remembers everything about that week. So. Yeah. Yeah. And at the risk of cherry picking, you know, a, a, a question you might ask me um, later on in this in this podcast, um, I have I've been asked, you know, what what do I miss about um, um, being on, on the sports turf side, what do I miss about my previous life being at Hazeltine National Golf Club? Um, and uh, I, I, my response, and I, I was just asked this uh, earlier this week, um, and my response was, I, I can, I can certainly miss, and I for sure miss certain uh, tangible things um, with respect to that organization. But it very much, and I, and I think this probably relates to most people, you know, they, re, they miss the relationships and they miss the, the individuals. Um, but more specifically, and how this relates <clears throat> to the Ryder Cup experience is, I felt like there was a team that, it, you know, it's, if you, you could throw anything at us and we would figure out how to problem solve. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think I, I definitely miss that. It's not to say that, we we haven't built that out here yep. at Allianz, but um, I'm inherently working with a smaller amount of individuals. Yeah. Um, so just from a uh, scale and scope perspective, there's just so much that we could problem solve. Right. When when we go back to the golf course setting, there's um, many more problems that you can solve. So yeah, it's that's a that's a really interesting sort of observation because I've always thought about and I've talked I've taught this in in courses that I've taught in seminars that I've done about this collective like uh, you know um, this idea that everybody's brain is kind of the same has the same capability of solving a problem that that the the leader's brain does so the leader's job shouldn't be to be the big brain who's you know, overseeing the whole operation, telling everybody what to do, but they should be the person who just sort of, you know, distributes all these different ideas and takes on all these different ideas from the team and decides what's the best and how do we, how do we make it happen? I mean, my feeling has always been like, like you just highlighted it. When you have that many people together, working together, kind of working towards the same thing, like there's no problem you can't come up with a solution to. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible. Like, you're not trying if you're not finding a solution because somebody amongst that group has got to be able to come up with something, you know, yeah. a way to solve a problem. And I, I think this is appropriate time to highlight the fact that al- although the week of, you know, we're talking about the Ryder Cup, the week of the Ryder Cup was phenomenal weather, but the week leading up to it was yeah, ter- pretty, terrible. Pr- pretty yeah. shit weather, yeah. if I can say that. Right. So we were... We were now def- I'm going to have to click the expletive yeah. mark on this for this podcast, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know, I, with respect to that that piece, you know, we were having to, you know, make ad hoc decisions and, and problem solve. No different than, 
you know, other, um, other, other tournaments or even just, you know, these, um, you know, our colleagues in the industry that, um, don't host, uh, championship uh, level golf or host tournaments that they're, they're still going through the same thing. Um, but it was, um, if, if I'm talking about my own experience, it, it was, it was at a very, very high level. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, uh, that's kind of how I think about it too. There was a lot of granular stuff. I used that word earlier, but a lot of granular stuff that you forget over time and interaction with this person here or there. But for me, like the core thing that I remember is just the way that, our team worked together leading up to that event and and then during the event and and you're right the weather I and I remember you know people didn't want to go home not during the event but leading up to it you know you think these people are dead tired they're just like the end of the day comes it's dark now we can't work on the golf course and they'd want to but guys didn't want to go home whether it was the interns or assistants like they'd go to the fire pit fire up the fire and sit around and just you know talk about the day or bs about whatever else and they just did not want to go home. And I remember myself, like, I'm like, I need to go home. I need to go to bed. I need to go see my my wife and my kids. But I just wanted to go, like, to that fire pit and just hang out with everybody because I knew how much fun was being had by that group. And, and that's those are the things that I remember about it. Yeah. So. And we don't have to dive into this, but there is um, – you may have just recently wrote a blog piece on it, um, but there is a sort of a, a – a philosophy that um, uh, is applicable that um, from my seat that you you uh, distilled from the books that you, the literature that you've read and imparted on our crew and that is the um, the, the the submarine and, oh right and the, and yep. the ship captain um, and like I said we don't have to dive into that but that's a that's a really um, very uh, uh, good way to converse about it and, yeah. and just the, the way that we were operating in, in that time period. Right. I'm trying to remember. I think I did not, I think I didn't know about that book. So the book Ryan's mentioning is, is, is by David Marquet and I did just write about it. I think recently, um, it's called turn the ship around and the whole idea, I'll just quickly summarize the, the idea of the book is David Marquet was a submarine captain. He had studied to take over one submarine, and then at the last minute was told he needed to take over a different submarine, and they are apparently very different. Like one, one boat is, is not the same as the other boat. And so he went to a new boat not knowing anything about it and quickly realized that he didn't have enough knowledge to be able to make the right decisions about what was happening on the boat. So quickly he came up with this idea of, pushing decision-making out and down to those individuals who are in particular, who are in charge of particular areas. And he didn't want his team members just waiting around for him to pull the trigger on something or to say, hey, this is, this is, what, um, this is what you need to do. He wanted them thinking for themselves and saying, okay, here's a problem. We have the right knowledge. We're going to solve it. And um, I, I'm, I'm almost sure I heard about that book after the Ryder Cup, but it really rung true with me because, as you said, that's just kind of the way that we've, we operated. Yeah, there was so much autonomy um, in that space on the execution level, um, which made, made us so efficient. Um, and, and just, you know, the, the reliability of the institutional knowledge amongst the crew mm-hmm. was, um, was, again, just at, at another level. So. <laughs> well, one thing I can remember, and I have a picture, and maybe I, I will post it. I'll have to go back and find it, but I'll, I'll post it. Um, 
I kind of handled all the jobs for the morning, but then in the evening, it was more of what we've just talked about, where I kind of said, okay, here's the things we want to get done in the evening. And then I sort of handed that over to you and to the rest of the team. And I remember that you had, we, we have a whiteboard, and I, some of these things may still be on that whiteboard because we don't really use it anymore, but you had a whiteboard and you would like write all the jobs out. And I, I don't know where you had it, but then you'd kind of wheel it into the volunteer area every evening um, you know, as people were getting there and the whiteboard would come in and everybody would go check the whiteboard to see what, what they had for a job. But um, I have a great picture of, of uh, from early in the week of us, Ryan, at the whiteboard, me standing there. I'll, I'll post it with this, with this episode because it, it kind of highlights, I think, the kind of thing we're talking about. But, I, you know, I recall that I didn't even think about the evening jobs. I was just, uh, I just turned it over to you and, you know, I would be on the course paying attention to green speed and that sort of thing or maybe just enjoying it because things were going well. And um, here come all these people, all with a job to do, and it, it was just perfect. It was great. Yeah. So. Uh, one funny piece to that, which I don't, I don't think anyone realizes, but um, – the the fact that that was it was a mobile board was strategic. I'm sure because I, you didn't I, do things without being strategic I, about. It. I I just I didn't I didn't do well when you're you're trying to draft this plan and you're using a stationary board, and you you have everybody filtering in, and they're looking at all these different uh, iterations because you write something out and then you're probably erasing it two or three times before yeah. you get to the final version. And um, w- with it being on wheels, I could I could move it away and move it in a different spot while I came up with came up with the different iterations to then get to the final draft. And mm-hmm. then when, when I was done with the final draft, I could then wheel it into position for the people to actually see for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it was it was fun. I remember you know and people were kind of clamoring for different jobs, and so it was, uh, I can remember there was. I can remember, I think, a, one one particular evening, there was a lot of anticipation for the board to be wheeled out, and it became like a sort of a, a thing once people figured out how it was going and what it was like. Well, that board, they, where's the board? Where's the board? And the board would come out. Here comes the board. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, a lot of dry erase uh, back then before we had the, you know, the digital yeah. boards and stuff. Right, right. Well, we're sitting here now uh, recording this in one of the party suites at, at Allianz Field, which is the home of Minnesota United, the ML, our, our Minnesota MLS team. And this is a job you've been in since 28, 20, late 2018, I think it was, right, that mm-hmm. you took over here? Yeah. Um, when the stadium was still under construction, as I recall. Um, and, you know, now we're looking down on this beautiful pitch, striped, really, it's not a great day. It's raining pretty hard right now, but... I'm looking down at lights, grow lights being out there, and it's just, it's a really, uh, yeah, it's really an interesting thing for somebody who came from golf to now be working in this sort of environment. Um, you know, and I, of course, I want to talk about that a little bit, but, you know, what do you remember about that period um, when you were getting this job or when you were getting ready to interview for this job? Um, how, do you, how do you remember that period or what, what's your memories of that era? Yeah, and and this, um, it, I'm just taking a stab. You know, you you try to think of what maybe your audience is 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 maybe looking to hear something you know to tangible to walk away with because it is a just again like you know people are going through their own journeys and you know this was a sort of a a pivot point for me and uh, sort of uh, refocusing that lens which was focused on 
golf, which was focused on the career path of uh, being a, becoming a superintendent. Um, so it very much was this um, this hard sort of reset. Um, I call it retooling nowadays. Yeah. Um, but sort of the the high level uh, um, personal decisions and and, and um, exercise that was going on was more about um, you know how how do I transition my sentiment about the trajectory that I'm on on the golf course how do I transition that into a different world um, and and be okay with it I think that's that's sort of what's most memorable for me um, it, it wasn't and just to be clear it, it wasn't about if I do go over there am I going to be successful um, and and I feel like just with with the, the the people that I had around me the you know the knowledge that I have acquired and the skill set that um, that I had and again the toolbox that I had uh, was was going to be more than enough to be successful on on this side in the sports turf but um, it was um, getting to a point mentally that that was my new life mm-hmm. and and I was I was um, going to be looking at the the golf world in the rearview mirror well I've always thought and we probably had this conversation before but you know your your focus in that position at Hazeltine and the Ryder Cup comes um, your you know your your focus and you had interviewed for superintendent jobs and, and been very close to some of them um, your focus was always about I'm going to be a superintendent I'm going to be a superintendent so then you know this comes about and it becomes a a real mindset shift to go okay you know almost and and clearly not obviously but almost in a way like okay am I am I admitting failure in not having become a golf course superintendent to now move to this area and become something else that I hadn't really thought about before. And I imagine that emotion factors in a little bit, or maybe was a little present in, in a, in a way or, you know, yeah, no, that's, it's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, I think not to say that you're wrong. Failure is a, is, is, is a harsh word, but I think that it, there's a fear of something. There's a fear of something of, uh, giving up, like you said, on something that you've you've dedicated a very big chunk of your life to, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I realized that, you know, my my wife would say like it's the same thing, you know, like you're still you're still managing grass, yeah, still doing all of this a lot of the same things, but um, yeah, in our world, you know, we if you're if you're getting granular, um, it is a and we can we can get into it uh, here uh, sh- shortly about the nuances of managing grass inside four walls. Um, but those kinds of things, like I said, if you're getting granular, are completely different. Yeah. Um, and and you do have to kind of reevaluate your toolbox. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, it was, and I say, putting that in the rearview mirror, um, and it is always in the rearview mirror. It's not like I look in the mirror and and it's completely gone. Um, but I think that the reason why it's still there is because um, of our relationship and you know the relationship that. Um, the relationships that I still continue to have on the, on the golf side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, so I guess the next question I would, um, I want to go back and just kind of re review how this came about, because I think that's an interesting story, but the, the next question I would ask, and you were getting close to answering it, I think is, you know, would you would, and I'm not 
mean putting you on the spot here, but would you ever go back to golf? I mean, do you even think about that? Is that something that runs through your head? Not to say that you have any desire to leave this position, but you know, I, I, I'm just I'm curious about that because I imagine that it's changed over time yeah. too as well. Um, it's it's such it that is a, such a great question, and I I, I can appreciate the question because um, so many times it it has forced me to be introspective and 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 kind of um, you know take a pulse on on where I'm at and mm-hmm. um, you know I'm really passionate about you know what we're doing with Minnesota United um, what we're doing um, in sports turf. Um, being one of the newer venues that uh, went hybrid in the MLS, um, trying to figure out, um, you know, the, the renovation stuff um, on this side of the pond. Um, like I said, growing grass in four walls and a roof, uh, utilizing artificial grow lights, field heat, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I think it really boils down to, am, am I being stimulated um, intellectually day to day, week to week? Um, year to year um, in in my current position and if the answer is yes yep. um, you know I'll I'll ride this journey into the sunset right um, if I ever get to the point where the answer is no um, I would I would certainly look at the, the golf course superintendent role um, or going back to the the golf course side um, because I think there there might be some unfinished business um, but again, it would have to be intellectually stimulating. Right. Yeah. I think I think that's a great way to put it. I think about that all the time too, because people ask me, you know, do I ever think about what I would want to do or what else I would want to do? And the answer to that would be, well, of course, that you always have those thoughts that go through. But you know, to me, like uh, my job still stimulates me every day, and I get excited about it, and I, I look forward to going to work, and I look forward to a new golf season, and the middle of the golf season, and the end of the golf season. And so as long as those things are happening, like I, I don't have any, any need to, to think about anything else, you know, mm-hmm. at this point. So I did want to go back just a little bit and, and just tell the story um, of, of how this job came about. Um, I think that's an interesting one because some people might end up, you know, might ask, well, how do you, how do you go from Hazeltine to Minnesota United? And so I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was in 2018 at some point, and I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize from Michigan, and I usually will let those go to voicemail, or you know, oftentimes it can be junk, so I just let it go, and if the person leaves a message, I'll, I'll listen. And this particular call was from Dr. Trey Rogers at Michigan State. Now, I knew him a little bit. I knew of him more than I knew him, and we had uh, shaken hands and met and had a brief conversation at a, at a Michigan turf conference that I had spoken at. Um, but I didn't know him that well, so I thought, well, I wonder what he wants. So he says, you know, if you have the chance, he didn't divulge any information. He said, give me, I, I need have something I want to talk to you about. Can you give me a call? So I called him, played phone tag for a little bit, but eventually he gets back to me. And sort of shortening the story, he tells me that he's involved as a consultant in the building of this stadium, and they were looking for um, a groundskeeper, and they thought they had someone who then backed out, and so they were looking again, and he said, well you know, I'll call Chris, I know him, and he's going to be tuned into that market, and he might know someone. So he said, you know, I guess I'm asking, do you know someone? And I said, I do. Uh, you know, let me let me talk to him, and I'll get back to you. So that's where we left it. So I immediately, I don't remember exactly where you were. I can remember where I was. 
Um, I don't remember how the interaction went, but at some point I found you and I brought it up and we started to talk about it. And so I'd, I'd be interested to hear, because I don't know if we've ever gone over this, like what was your initial feelings when you, so you get this piece of information, you're like, uh, you know, I don't, I mean, you've spoken to that, uh, the emotions of it, of changing a little bit, but I wonder what it was like when you first got that information and you're like, okay, here's this possibility. Yeah, and I, I do, I remember, um, I, I do remember you, I, we were in the shop and, and I was, well, there's at, in the Turfgrass Center there, there's two, you have your own office and you just, the assistance office is adjacent and you, you pulled me in and you, you asked me to shut the door. And so when you, when you say shut the door, um, you know, we're, we're going to have like a, a pretty serious conversation. Um, and then, and then you debrief me on your conversation and I, and I, this might sound whole hum, but you get, I think the listeners would have to understand, you know, you're, we, we go back to what we were talking about earlier. You're, you're so focused on your current trajectory and your current yeah. journey. Um, I, I wasn't thrilled about it. And, and maybe you can attest to that by, mm -hmm. by perhaps me reading my body language, if you remember that, but I know I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled about it because I, I just think it, it was just so unknown. Mm -hmm. And um, I can, you know, you know I, I say I think it was it's so unknown. I there's there's a fear that stemmed out of it. After um, it just took me um, just a short amount of time, you know, after I left our our meeting, you know, went back out on the course and, and drove around on the golf cart for a little bit, trying to figure out what to do next. Um, but it was just this this fear of I, you know you you go from. Uh, being in the industry for so long, which you can attest to, I mean, you, you look at the 90s of, of the golf course superintendent, um, uh, GCSAA being a prominent organization that will say that they helped the superintendent uh, uh, be, become more, mm -hmm. whether it's compensation, whether it's, well, the economic of becoming a, or being a superintendent, um, also the professionalism that surrounds that role. And, and they, they made so much progress in that space and watching this happen, um, going, you know, going through my career, um, I, I feared that the sportster side was so far behind that and that there was this big mountain to climb. If I went over on that side of the fence, you know, like is, are, are we now, am I now going back to the early nineties? Um, you know, talking about uh, golf course superintendents being underpaid, yeah. working way too many hours, not being cognizant of, um, you know, work-life balance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that's, that's what I felt at the moment. Um, but there are a few things that I think, um, you know, are, can be highlighted. One, I knew this information was coming from very respectable people. Um, one being you. Um, it's not often... so. Uh, I think we should disclose to the audience a little bit about uh, at least provide some color on how I was pursuing the next step. And you were already at a point that you knew what my filter was. Mm -hmm. You know, right. I wasn't I wasn't going to take X job because of this reason. Yeah. Um, fill in the blank. Um, you were happy enough at Hazeltine doing what you were doing that we had even had the discussion of you know, is this something you, you had come to me and said, Hey, maybe, maybe if the pay is right and, and the stimulation is right, like I could do this for a long time and it, I would be okay doing that. I mean, you weren't looking to be a superintendent just to be a superintendent. You wanted kind of the right facility, the right job, 
um, the right, you know, stimula- stimulation, I guess, would be, would that be, that's accurate, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and um, so Trey, Trey had reached out to you, I'm, I'm kind of backtracking here. Yeah. Um, well, let me, let yeah. me say, so I'll interject before you go on, but I remember, now I'm remembering that first meeting, you come into my office and you left, and I think I remember to myself being like, damn it. He was not as excited about that as I wanted him to be, and um, you know, which which I have more on that later. But continue. Yeah, and then um, and then okay, so um, I knew I knew the, just the mere fact that you had recommend or rec- recommendation is just I mean it, it's kind of a, a a broad word to describe the the interaction. It was. You know, just the what, what the conversations we have, and and just being, you know, having such a, a close relationship. It was just more of like, hey, I, you know, I know what I think, but this is ultimately about what you think. But I think, you know, this is worth considering. Um, and and so that carried a tremendous amount of weight, um, which goes without saying. Um, and then, um, you know, I, th- I ended up, you know, talking to Trey on the phone several times um, about. Um, certain details um, and then I also found out that Larry DeVito was on the hiring committee yeah Larry being the head groundskeeper for the Minnesota Twins yeah yeah and who we so, knew who we both knew yeah yep. and so there's this you know for lack of a better term this domino effect of like um, uh, further support that that this is this should be something to to take a sniff at yeah um, and and as I vetted my questions, my concerns, um, my excitement um, with this new opportunity through yourself, Trey, and and Larry, um, we, we obviously know what, what decision I made in yeah. the long run. So. Well, I mean, I can comment that, and it, it wasn't immediate. I remember that. It was it was sort of a slow burn to start with, you know, and it was, and, but that's the way you've always been, whether it be like, I'm gonna spray a new product and I want to completely read the label and know everything about it, which you've always done at a, at a level that I've never seen before, or just just anything. Like we would we would have those kind of conversations about what do you think about this, and and you would kind of go away and think about it a little bit, and then you'd come back to me and go, okay, here's what I think. And so this was very much like that, maybe in a little bit longer form. But I can remember I would go home and I would talk to my wife, and I'd kind of say, okay, well. I talked to Ryan about the job today, and I don't know. I don't know if he thinks he's in. She, I think, multiple times was like, "Okay, listen, like he has to take this job because he wants the job, not because you think it would be a cool job, and you want him to, take, and you love soccer, and you would, you know, think all these things are exciting. So it has to be something that he wants to do, um, which I, I kept in mind, but also was very difficult for me, you know, especially in moments where like anything, you know, there are peaks and troughs in this whole emotion. And I think how you felt, felt about the job. And so when, you know, when it would start to wane just a little bit and it would start to go down, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, come on, you can't, you can't, you can't go against this. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do this. But as you said, you know, through the analysis and, and everything that you did, you, the right decision came about. For yeah. Sure. So. And I, what I'm about to say, I, you know, knowing you, you may not like, you may not like the credit um, that I'm about to give you because, um, you know, you're you're so humble. But, you know, I would say for those, it it, it was the 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 game changer here is 
the fact that you you it's not because you you are employed at a prestigious club but you you have put yourself in you know this new world of social media um you are a very known entity um in our community of of people that that manage grass and um if if i didn't work alongside someone or report to someone who um who who didn't do that i i don't think you get a call from trey you know and uh, and and I think I think that um, is important uh, to we don't have to dive into it, but mm-hmm. I think for those um, assistants that are perhaps wondering if if they are at the right place, um, I think that's a component that you have to look at is is what is your marketability with respect to the people that you surround yourself with, um, and again, yes, we we entered the social media. Um, stage um, uh, even before you had joined Hazeltine mm-hmm. um, but you were you were um, definitely um, on this up into the right trajectory um, and integrating yourself in so many different ways um, that a course at, at the, that time that you received that phone call it wasn't a surprise um, but it was also you know very intentional because um, because you 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 are integrated and and that i you know i'm saying that unsolicited so mm-hmm. it's just yeah no that's very that's very kind and flattering yeah. thank you yeah it's uh yeah it was a, it was a wonderful time again it's another just like the memories we've already shared but that's another great one of of that kind of late summer and fall period where that decision was happening and we were talking about it every day and and um and and going through it and then you know to see what what has become of it now, which we're gonna we're gonna get into some more details here, but uh, is is really fun to go back and think about what that was all like at the beginning. So yeah, um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about the the differences. So I guess the first question I'd ask is, okay, so you are is this your fifth fifth season? Sixth, fifth season, fifth season. Okay, is it? Is it more, if you go back to that time when you first were going to start, is it more difficult or less difficult than you'd imagine? That may be a very, a question that requires a lot of nuance, but. Oh, that might be painting gr- me into a corner, in as a you grand, would say. <laughs> in a grand scheme of things, I mean, you know, do you, you know, because it, it's easy to go 2.25 acres, I think is the right size of bluegrass in Minnesota. Wow, that that be has got to be pretty easy to manage, <laughs> but it's not that simple. So. Yeah, um, it. It's. I, let me back up to the original question on whether it's um, have things gotten easier. Um, there's and no nobody should mistake the fact that I'm, that what we want to discuss here is like how easy a job is. Like we're not we're not that's not the detail I'm looking for. I just I'm just curious. Like you know I, I think you, you you're going to answer the right question. I just want to add a disclaimer for the yeah. anybody who's listening. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, for sure. Um, let me delineate. Um, uh, a, a few things, or at least one thing here. Um, when you when you move into a new house, uh, I, I use the uh, kitchen analogy. Um, you move into a new kitchen. You're you're trying to cook, uh, you know, a, a meal. Let's say just for the sake of conversation, a five course meal, and it's a brand new kitchen. Um, you're not going to know where the pots and pans are, your silverware, et cetera, et cetera. Where you know ingredients, where so. 
that's a, a lot of what the initial challenges were, was just um, not, not knowing where my tools were. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say we didn't have tools, but um, it was very difficult to be efficient about the execution of whatever decision or strategy we imparted or wanted to impart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, that, that meal fell short. If, if we're right. going back to the analogy. Yeah. Um, and, and we had some, uh, some infrastructure problems um, early on um, in our first year, which we have solved. <clears throat> um, we uh, you know, just recently uh, went to a hybrid surface. Um, and for those of that, that are listening, um, we went with what used to be known as a, a DESO system, which is stitching artificial fibers um, either into a sand-based surface, um, or you can you have an opportunity to also stitch um, in an existing um, surface that already has uh, either Kentucky bluegrass or um, whatever uh, species that is on your surface. Um, but there's a, a bunch of different um, uh, vendors out there. Grassmax is a, a one that we used. Um, Cisgrass is I know very prominent as well. Um, but it, it, uh, I highlight that because it's just, it's just new challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it ties into the, um, the, the, the intellectual, you know, stimulation of trying right. to figure out a new element. Um, just baseline, uh, you have, you have uh, a, a plant or a species that requires full sun. Um, and then when you start to put four walls around that um, and... Uh, and, and put a roof over top, um, it, it becomes more challenging. Um, every, every turfer knows, uh, about shade issues. Um, but this is, this is, um, you know, a different, a different animal. And like I said, we have artificial lights. Um, uh, that's a, a whole nother conversation that we could spend hours on talking about artificial light. Um, I, I'll say this, you know, you can't, you can't, I don't think we would be as successful without them. Um, but they're not a one-to-one with respect to natural light. Um, so as this evolves, um, this, this career path, um, I, I think the answer to the question is that there's, there's just newer challenges. Um, and they don't, they don't go away necessarily. You know, you solve one, but then there's another one right, right. around the corner. Yeah. Um, and I've developed a high level of appreciation for that. Um, uh, we, we have a, a training grounds with three fields, uh, about 25 minutes North of here. Um, uh, and that, that's also, um, a good, a good challenge. Um, and, uh, it's just, it, it's great. It's great to be here in this, in this type of environment where, um, you're, you're being asked to push the envelope, um, and having uh, a certain level of success, um, in the, in the process. Yeah. So, what maybe maybe answer talk about a little bit about okay so golf course superintendent um you know most people would probably say when they go out on any particular day to to evaluate their course their first thing they're thinking about is are the greens you know how firm are they how fast are they what's the moisture like what would be on this soccer pitch what is the equivalent of that what is the thing that when you walk out here on any particular day and you go for a walk, uh, what is it that's going to be the first thing that's going to catch your attention that you're going to go look at that, you know, 
I'm driving in, I'm gonna put my keys down, put my backpack down, and I'm gonna walk out there. I wanna go see this. This is what I'm gonna look at. What what would be that thing or you know, few things that you concentrate on? Yeah, um, as a dis- disclosure, to, um, I I don't I don't have the you don't wear a backpack. No, I don't wear a backpack. <laughs> um, I don't I don't have a lot of spreadsheets. Um, you know, I, I say that because um, I think you know I I live I live the world a lot of, of that involved a lot of data collection, mm-hmm. um, and I think we're starting to get to a point um, in our. Uh, management philosophy, um, uh, integrating uh, that some of those those data collection processes, and and also um, not only taking the data but using that data to drive drive decisions. Um, we started to do that with um, uh, a firmness reader. Uh, we we happen to have the Clegg. We you know we we've, we've been taking moisture reading for a long time. We haven't uh, been collecting clippings and looking at clipping volume. Um, there could pick that apart and, and, yep. and try to figure out some nuances with that. Um, we're starting to integrate ball bounce, ball roll. Um, we have a shear tester. So we're, we're collecting the data. Um, we, we just haven't sent it off to a highly intelligent individual to, to run the algor- algorithms on. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. um, but, uh, when I, to answer your question, um, when I come in, I'm, 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 Going in the shop, putting my my stuff down, and, and entering the field, and and just taking a walk. I know you like to walk the, the golf course, so maybe that's where that came from. But I just like to take a walk. I, I usually grab the moisture meter to see where we're at for the day. Um, and there's just there's little things we talk about. You know, I think a lot about using the right device to collect data, and and uh, perhaps. Um, you've touched on this um, in previous podcasts, but it, the the device doesn't necessarily matter so much as just using the same device and yeah. getting accustomed to your own evaluation. Right. Um, so you could you could you I'll use a thumb test. You know mm-hmm. how how unscientific and and um, un, uh, unappealing a, a thumb test would be to go down to the surface and move your thumb around to. But but that tells a lot about how the surface is doing. Yeah. To me, because um, I'm doing that a lot. I'm kneeling down and and getting into the canopy and seeing what that how that surface is interacting. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can you can say hey uh, on Saturday night before the match my with my thumb I felt this and then this is how the the pitch reacted to the play and then and i could tell with my thumb that it was going to react that way yeah and then you know make adjustments from there so it's you're calibrating there's all sorts of ways to calibrate anything like you like you said you yeah um, i have a i have a friend who 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 um who checks his greens moisture and firmness with a knife with a, a system using a knife and you know people he he explained it to me one time and i saw everybody else at the table kind of like scoot away and just go off to do other things but i thought it was fascinating and you can calibrate anything. Anything yeah. could be your, your your tool. Yeah, and it, it just if there's any you know if you need verification um, to maybe someone who's providing a, a counter argument to that, I mean just just run the the math on on the frequency that you you do you collect that da- data with that tool, whether it be your thumb or uh, you know a Clegg a Clegg uh, reader or firmness tester. And, and multiply it how many times you've done that over the course of 
x amount of years yeah. i mean you're 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 that thing is now a fine-tuned instrument yeah you know right exactly so anyway long story short yeah so i'm carrying around uh, the moisture meter um and also and i think these people who are um, using moisture meters can probably also uh uh have agree to this and and that's even even if you didn't press a button to actually find the moisture yeah just by probing that and feeling how it's going into the surface yeah. tells you a whole bunch of things right it, well, it's the, pretty the, amazing the knife me- method i mentioned earlier when he does that and he and his team do that that's how they read the firmness is pushing that knife in and feeling what the resistance is so it's the exact same thing you're right i I mean, I have pushed a TDR into the ground enough, and every most everybody who's listening to this is probably going to have that same experience. Like you know, this is really firm, this is really dry without, as you said, even pushing the button. Yep. So. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's sort of my my daily routine. Now I am, um, you know, Mitch, my assistant, has done a phenomenal job um, uh, executing and planning and taking over. Um, a lot of that because some of my time is now spent at the training grounds, which is 25 minutes mm-hmm. north. So, um, no, it, it's just, it's been great. And I, I just sound like a repeating record, but it, it's still very um, stimulating. Yeah. For me, so. so that that was the next question I was going to ask. You led into it well. Like, how do you divide your time? You know, what does your day look like? How much time do you spend here? I know there's an inside and an outside component to what you're doing here at the stadium. Uh, but, you know, also time spent at the training ground. What What does that look like? Yeah, and my, excuse me, might have to edit this out here. Um, the, my, my time just recently has increased because um, one of my other assistants, Peter Braun, um, is, he just had a baby. So um, I've been up there all week. It, it's actually the first time I've spent, uh, despite being here today, but I, I, I don't think I've spent one full week consecutively up there. Um, I've, I think I've been up there um, close to once or twice per week. Now, um, prior to last year, we had outsourced the maintenance um, to uh, an entity that we, we partnered. So just a little um, context. Um, we've, we've decided to partner uh, with a, uh, a public state-funded entity um, at our location, 25 minutes north, um, and up until last year, they were maintaining our practice fields up there. Yeah. Um, so last year, um, Pete went up there to uh, to manage our fields. Um, we also built. We had two um, and uh, two falls ago. So the fall of 2021, we um, we built a new field um, and uh, opened that up. Uh, summer of 2022 um, so it's barely been a year that we've been managing those uh, surfaces up there yeah. but since we took over managing um, my time has been spent um, up there more than in previous years sure so yeah that makes sense I remember I remember us talking about that a little bit at the beginning of this like hey what could this job expand to and what would that what would that look like uh, you know if you're also doing the training facility that becomes a different thing it's in you talk about your assistants mitch and pete um it's, it's fun for me because both of them were like yourself were were hazeltine employees in fact they were interns 
with us at Hazeltine in 2015 and then the year of the Ryder Cup 2016 and we're a part of that sort of memorable Ryder Cup team that we had um, and so it's fun for me to see that they've come over here in fact Mitch um, I remember when you left you came to me and you said well what, what are you thinking about you know for my replacement who are you thinking about bringing in and I said well probably my first call is going to be to Mitch and you said well may the best man win <laughs> and um, which which then turned into I recall uh, a Hazeltine employee who was there at the time uh, is no longer uh, at the club but he I remember him coming to me and saying well what the heck like aren't you you, you have a guy you want to hire and now he's going to steal that guy from me I'm like no 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 you don't understand like that's not the way Ryan and I work like this is this is this is how it goes like he'll offer him a job and an experience and I'll offer a job and an experience and and he'll be able to decide what he wants to do and that's what he did and and Mitch's uh Mitch's desire at that time was to to do get into sports turf or to at least take a look at it and um and then he chose this and it's it's been great you know because he's been with you from the beginning so yeah um I had a, he was down in Phoenix when I called him up yeah um with his now wife and uh I had to try to convince him. It did, it did take much, surprisingly, um, you know, to come back up here and uh, uh, open up the stadium um, in 2019 while his uh, wife finished up um, her her education in Phoenix. So um, I just I, I owe the world to him. He's uh, he's been fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. He he's a great guy. As is Pete. I mean, they're both were fantastic and. A huge part of our success during that Ryder Cup in 2016. Um, talk a little bit about you know you have full time. You're basically three three people, correct? Yep. And then on on match day, talk a little bit about that. You know how you how you you know swell up a little bit or, or what how that works out. Yeah. Um, on match day, we have you know between four or five, sometimes um, maybe six or seven um, match day. Uh, individuals who come and and work match days um it's in in some way shape or form it is it's it's kind of a little it's a it feels like a mini tournament yeah I've, you know i can agree to i i can yeah attest to that having yeah. done match days it like the energy feels like a, a little bit of a tournament yeah when you have that um go, golf tournament right for, for those yep. people golf. that are maybe confused but um so you, you know you're ramping up and i think uh uh, many people would agree when you're when you're planning for a tournament, uh, the heavy lifting has already been done. You know, if when we get to match day, there's nothing that is too egregious as far as you know imparting or executing anything yep. because you've already done the work. Same thing on the golf side with tournaments. But um, um, what's great is we have a large contingency of Hazeltine employees, um, and it, it it pulls at my heartstrings a little bit, but. Um, come and spend time with us, but also um, work the matches, um, whether it's it's block, blocking irrigation heads, um, uh, trying to wet the surface or left, wet the leaf blade um, before warm-ups, um, before kick or at half. Um, we have to make sure that the we don't um, throw water into the stands because it's very much about the fan experience, much like it's about the member experience. So we wanna, we wanna be, um, as uh, well-oiled a machine as we can, and we've, we've gotten really good at it. Um, uh, prior to being stitched, there was a, a lot more divot repair um, uh, after warm-ups and at half and after the match. Um, 
which you were a part of at, yep. at early on as yep. well. Um, a- after the matches, I would say if we're talking about any heavy lifting is, is really when um, I rely on the match day crew to, to, to help out, whether it's cleaning up the surface like I mentioned before or bringing um, our artificial grow lights back out on the field um, so that we can get the, the most return um, from a uh, recovery window standpoint. Uh, to get those lights out um, as quick as possible, um, and that and that sort of really sums up match day. I I mean I'll, I'll kind of go no, put that back on you. That's a good see. summary. Okay. That's a good summary. I would uh, yeah. I mean I have been part of the match day crew as well, and it's uh, it's quite it's quite fun. Um, you get to sit in down next to the pitch and watch the match, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as Ryan said, and I'll reiterate like. The match day crew here is as all Hazeltine. It's it's people that have worked there in the past or are on my team currently still, and no Ryan and no Mitch and no Pete from their time there, and so they come on uh, on match days, make the the sort of forty five minute trip from the the southwest suburbs into St. Paul and uh, and help here at the stadium. So, yeah, it's uh, it's quite fun I think for both of us to to get to see that group together and crossover Hazeltine East we call it once, <laughs> once in a while. Um, so you mentioned, you know, we're, 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 um, I think before we wrap up, I, it's, it's pretty unique. You do have a hybrid stitching, which you talked a little bit about. Um, I think as you said, you're the one of two MLS facilities or three, three, three MLS facilities yeah. to have that stitching. Um, I know the Green Bay Packers have it. Um, I think they used to have it in Denver at uh, mile high stadium. Um, and you know there are probably a few other places in the states, but you're you're pretty unique. There's not a lot of it. To talk, just talk a little bit about um, maybe the decision to do that because it wasn't the way the stadium was built. Um, you know, why with the benefits? You know, what are the benefits of that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, without uh, there are a lot of shortcomings with just um, uh, you know I'll touch a little bit on just the evolution of um, design. You know, stadium design and architecture. Um, and I won't, I won't cover everything. Um, there just won't be enough time. Um, but I think, I think as these newer stadiums are being built, you know, you can certainly see an evolution here where, um, very much focused on fan experience. You look at the older stadiums, even just in the MLS, but this is, goes for really any, any major professional sport, um, the older stadiums were, were very much wide open and and the seating was, um, relative today very pretty far away from the plane surface and so now um you know those those um those seats the have come in closer to the plane surface um you know tighter walls um more vertical steeper slopes um or steeper seating uh uh stands and um tighter roof lines um and 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 i think i I, if i don't want to um, miscommunicate here. I, I think that was a or is a good thing uh, for the sport in general. Um, but I think when if we if we talk specifically about the surface, um, you know, you have you have uh, uh, a design firm that likely doesn't have um, a turfer as we might call it or a skilled individual that has been educated 
in turf grass mm-hmm. um, on staff. Um, and that that becomes problematic as you're trying to create, um, you know, a, a very, very high-level uh, competitive surface that is, you know, safe for the players. Right. It's consistent from, you know, the, your opening day to, to, your, to your last match. Um, but uh, essentially, uh, getting, getting closer to addressing going hybrid, um, there's, there's always this missing component of, I call it the backbone, um, but without the stitching, yes, we had the grow lights. Um, yes, we had fans. Um, but there, there's always something that I felt was missing. This surface could and should be better than what it is. Mm-hmm. And, when, and when you've gone home every night and you've gone through all these permutations about what, can, what tool can you use in your toolbox to make this surface better, and you run out of those tools and you still come to the conclusion that this surface can be better, yeah. you have to figure something else out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I came up with this idea. Right. I mean, just look across the pond and look at the evolution of, of, of our friends over there and, and the level that um, their surfaces are at. Right. Um, and, and, and then it was, when, when, you, when you found that, and if that is, uh, checks the box on this, on this backbone piece and working out from there, um, it's just really an exercise of, of putting your skills to use and, and figuring out how you can get um, uh, the most uh, life expectancy or meet the life expectancy out of, out of the hybrid. Yeah. Um, and and I, I would say just from a, you know, a, a geographical perspective you know there's going to be a lot of different nuances um amongst my colleagues in the sports turf side um i think our closest data point would be uh green bay in lambo sure um but still that's different because their season is different yeah so you know we're we're still figuring this out i i'm i'm as I, as we're working through this for the first time this year um i'm i'm more more confident almost every week about the strategy that we're going to impart on it with respect to our renovation um and then uh carrying getting the getting the most life out of the the stitch yeah. so yeah because because as you said it is a system and so there it does require some maintenance itself it's not just okay these fibers the machines go over they put the fibers in and that and job done I mean, the fibers have to remain some part of the canopy, as in anybody who manages fine turf will know you're between organic matter and, and sand top dressing, you're, you're likely bringing that canopy up over time. And so at some point, you know, you, those fibers that need to be a part of the canopy may not be a part of the canopy anymore. So there's got to be a process. Yeah. Yeah. It very much um, managing the top layer. Some people call it the, you know, managing the organic matter layer, which is true, but, um, yeah, you're 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 making sure that you know the exposure that you started with doesn't deviate too much um, from from when you first stitched the field. Um, and yeah, yes, there is some UV degradation. Um, there's some degradation caused by the cultural practices that sure. you impart, um, which is pretty intuitive for us. Um, but I think. Um, I think from, you know, and 
from a st- stability perspective, and you, you kind of, you, if you're trying to like peel this apart a little bit more, you know, what, what, what was the impetus for, you know, putting on, on, on the sales hat, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and approaching my executive team with this, um, with this, this potential or this proposal of going hybrid. Um, and it, and it was really just about, you know, doing the research and, and, um, understanding that the league has decided to move the schedule up, um, about, a, about a month, you know, looking at what the, um, climatic conditions were in Minnesota specifically, um, you know, we had, uh, just a few, a few years ago, we had a, uh, um, a national U.S. national team come here and play uh, in February, um, which is unprecedented up here in Minnesota. Um, and we went through that period um, without without any stitching, yeah. um, and and realized how f- how far or how how much of an impact that had on the consistency and the quality of our surface throughout the entire year. Now we didn't go through the entire year to realize where we would have been, uh, you know, in that fall. Um, there, there's there's a good amount of evidence that we had we had consumed the unstitched surface so much that there 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 was no way that we were going to get through that year without having uh, some very problematic implications um, to the player's safety and the quality of the surface. So um, we decided to go hybrid and I, and I can tell you in, if you look at it graphically um, when we weren't hybrid, our peaks and valleys were much greater. Um, But now that we have hybrid um, it's not a perfect flat line, but those peaks and valleys have shrunk. So we're very, very much uh, more consistent from, when we open up and have our home opener to um, our last match of the season. Yeah. And that's, you know, as a, as a fan who, who often watches at home, I mean, that's, that's what I see. And just as a person who manages different turf in this climate, you know, I see that it it makes a great deal of sense because you open up uh, the season well before the grass is growing, uh, just coming out of winter. And that grass is not going to be adding the stability to the surface that you're going to want it to have. And so then you you play matches on it. It deteriorates before it's able to recover, and then you are you're, you're now you're into your the, what would be considered the good part of the weather season, and you're 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 you've as you said you've consumed the the surface you know mm-hmm. to, to a large degree. So, and just my observation since you did it, this being I think the first spring since you've had it, uh, yeah, every match I've watched, it's it looks it looks incredible on TV. And then it just doesn't seem to, we were talking about this before we started, it doesn't seem to degrade it to a point so you don't have to have this big degradation that you have to recover from. You just kind of, it's almost like cosmetic issues that you're trying to recover from, if, that, is yeah. that, if that's accurate. That, yeah, that's very much accurate. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, this, is, this is a business, as, as everyone knows at the end of the day, um, you know, and you're trying uh, to drive revenue. And, and for us... Um, you know, I, I felt like without, without being hybrid, we were just barely, you know, meeting, um, you know, the number of events that we could, we could host, um, on, on a 100% natural surface. Um, once, once we went hybrid, 
you know, now you can start looking at expanding uh, the number of events. We call them outside events, but the number of events that you're um, having on on the surface beyond just the 17 home games um, per year. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's fa- it's fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating to me because I'm just kind of a not only a turf nerd but a soccer nerd and. You know, as we discussed before, our travels through the UK, I mean, we, we saw some of this, you know, well before this was even in your mind and thinking about it, that, that it would be something that would be your career eventually. And I remember seeing that and just, you know, hearing about it. And, and I, my nature is to hear about something like this and then read about it and find out as much information about it. And so now it's, it's really cool to, to have you as a friend, you know, in a stadium that's right in my backyard uh, have the, the, the have this um, sort of tool or have this this uh, hybrid stitching that I just think is I've kind of been a nerd about for many years so it's, it's neat to, for me to see just observation yeah in some ways it does feel a little bit going back um, many decades now it, it sort of feels like you know how the USGA green construction would have been you know on the golf course side you know you you it first started out with you know, very few golf courses um, had USGA spec yeah. greens, you know, um, and uh, and then and then you you know you're you have golf courses as that is evolving, um, you, you know, at some point in time you're proposing, let's let's redo our greens, and oh by the way, let's look at this new technology. Uh, of USGA spec, yep. you know, and, and I mean, we know what that, what the, what, how that turned out. Right. Um, and then there's, there's also different variations of that construction me- methodology that right. um, we can, we can pick apart, but um, that's sort of how I, I kind of um, di- digest it is, is just um, uh, subscribing to a known technology um, that is going to not only improve playing conditions, um, safety in our case as well, but um, also uh, have a very li- high likelihood of increasing revenue. Yeah, that's awesome. Makes a lot of sense to me, and uh, it sure is fun to. It's it's amazing to watch a match on it because you just don't see. It. I mean, the stability of the surface is amazing, and you you kind of watch uh, you kind of watch the players, and I can remember watching matches or you know either in person or on TV, and you'd see them slide, and you think, oh boy, that's gonna, and they get up, and there's just there's no impact to the surface whatsoever. So it's it's pretty incredible. I will uh, we'll we're here at the stadium now, so I'll get some pictures of it, you know, up close, and, and give you a look at what uh, uh, in the in the post at what this looks like. So. Well, I think, you know, we've been going for 90 minutes and hopefully we haven't uh, lost too many wow. people, uh, Ryan. But, uh, you know, this has really been wonderful. I mean, you know, one of the goals that I want, had for this was to sort of, you know, I get to talk to people like yourself all the time. I mean, obviously we're friends, but I have great relationships with a lot of people in the turf industry. And and um, it's cool to have those conversations. And I think it's even more cool for me to be able to share them with other people. So. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule and uh, and setting us up in this nice uh, in this nice party suite here on the second level of Allianz Field, where we could watch the rain come down and watch the grow lights do what they do and uh, and and have this you know wonderful conversation. Yeah, um, thank you very much, and um, hopefully we we 
we've discussed some things that um, the viewers can appreciate. So, um, I think we have. Okay. I think we've probably kept their interest. Okay. So, uh, um, you know, I, th I think we I think we've done our job today. So.